Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode four of Conversations with the Socially Starved Extrovert. I'm jumping on here to let you know that there are no spoilers for any of the stories discussed in this episode of the podcast. I really hope you enjoy. Now let's get on with the episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Conversations with the Socially Starved Extrovert. This is episode four, and today I've got my good friend Leah with me. Leah, would you like to please introduce yourself? Hi, guys. My name is Leah, and I am one of Riley's friends. We have been very close for the past four or so years, so I would say that we know each other really well, and we both mutually love to talk. (laughs) Exactly. Um, definitely you are, well, that's not true. I had Avery on here, but the irony of the past couple of episodes is I've had a lot of introverts come on with me rather than extroverts. So, um, you are definitely on, on caliber with myself in the screaming extrovert category, I would think. Um, Yes. Yes. Uh, so how are you doing? What's going on? How, how are, how are things? What does the world of Leah look like right now? You know, it feels less stressful than it has in probably the past three years of my life, I would say, you know, second semester, senior, final quarter, kind of setting in, you know, trying to accept what is now appears, I guess, to be my future Mm -hmm. and the life that I will be living for at least the next four years. Okay. Okay. Um, Yeah. I'm, I'm very excited. I, I know we've had a lot of conversations about, you know, the stress of being a senior and getting a handle on all the things that we need to do and managing responsibilities. So it definitely is a huge milestone to feel like we kind you know, we kind of went over that hump and we're on the other side. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I agree. Um, and I think for me too, one of the things that has been absolutely terrible is that because second semester senior is where we're at right now, the senioritis is terrible. I can't get myself to do anything. Um, and, uh, particularly for Lacey's class because it's a junior class and I just I just can't get motivated for it um, so I'm, I'm all sorts of behind on a, a slew of assignments it's just terrible yes I mean I was definitely one of the freshmen that was like senioritis is an urban myth you know nope. there's no way that people feel that unmotivated like right. I'm a new kid in a new school and I'm ready to rock and roll but yep. I now believe in senioritis more than I have believed in anything in my entire life. Yeah. It it definitely hits you like a truck when you least expect it. And then you feel like you physically cannot find an ounce of energy within yourself to complete probably the simplest of tasks as a senior. Oh, it's terrible. And it's not even just like schoolwork. It's things that I want to do. It's, it's, it's getting to, I mean, we've rescheduled this meeting, like what, three times? Um, it's, it's everything. Um, and I, I remember even as a junior last year, I had one class that was a predominantly senior class. And so the teacher was kind of like, I know how fourth quarter seniors are. We're not going to do anything for the last couple of months because that's how it works. Um, and I was like, what? Like, that's not an actual thing. People aren't actually like that. But yeah, it's, it's tough. It really hits. Yeah. And I think people are starting to, you know, get into that mindset where it's like, we're second semester seniors. We only go to school two days a week. Like this day of school is not that big of a deal, but in the grand scheme of things, like for the other kids who choose not to skip school, I'm sitting in my Spanish class with four other students forced to pay attention and forced to participate because there are no other alternatives. So that's really put me in a position where I'm like, I don't want to try. I don't want to pay attention. I would rather gaze out into the parking lot and watch people try to back up into parking spots. (laughs) But no, here I am, one of four, forced to talk every two minutes because there is simply no one in the class. Right, because there's not enough people. I, my, my count class and my friend class are both like five people. Yeah. It's, 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 yeah, terrible. And especially with the count class, I don't know, I think it's a Calc 2 class, and I think everyone in the room 
thinks that they're the stupidest person in the room by a significant margin. And so none of us are willing to say anything. And so, so our, our math teacher just stands up there and is like, okay, and two plus two is, and we, none of us are willing to say four because we are terrified that we somehow missed something. Somehow we're behind and it's not four. And so we all just sit there looking at each other like, we, you know, we all have four on our paper, but no one's gonna say that. Right, and I think that's also just so much of a math thing. Like yeah. no one wants to go up and put their answer on the board. And I don't know why it's just like significantly more embarrassing or terrifying to do that in a math class, but it just is. Like I am willing to shout out any Spanish conjugation. I may be so wrong, yeah. but I'm yeah. willing to put it all out on the table. I just speak sentences that probably are not grammatically or, you know, correct at all. Right, right. Uh, in math, I would never put myself in the hot seat. Right. And I, that's one of the things that I think is really interesting is that like, like in language, if you come close, that counts for a lot. Like I can communicate with you in broken English and you can understand what I'm saying. The grammar doesn't necessarily take away from the communication. Whereas like, if I'm off on math, I'm off on math. It's the wrong answer. Uh, right. So there's a lot less like room for error almost. Yeah. 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 I don't know. It's, it's frightening. It's always been a very terrifying moment for me to be like, you know she's going to ask or he's going to ask someone for the answer and you just yep. like you duck your head and you just yep. pretend that you're writing because you really don't right. want to you well because then it becomes risky because then like what if you get called on and then with the, yeah no it's it's also it's stressful and so it's interesting you're in those two dynamics on the one hand we couldn't care about school less but on the other hand it's still the most stressful things going on um Right. And it's just, we look into our future and it's only going to get more stressful from here. So I'm like, you know, maybe I do just like start to put myself out on the line because, you know, it's only going to get worse. And I'm only end up being a giant lecture hall with like a hundred other kids. And, you know, that'll probably be the peak of it. So maybe now is the time to just lay it out all on the line. Definitely. Never have I taken notes so furiously as the one uh, like lecture call class that I've taken so far, because you can't raise your hand. If you miss something, that's your bad. Good luck. So, so you just, you just go. Um, and yeah, that, that was, that was an in- interesting experience to say the least. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I cannot even imagine. I'm so unprepared. I can't even begin to speak on it because it's just this overwhelming like sense of impending doom I just know things are gonna go wrong and I've just decided to be content with it and be like you know what whatever happens is gonna happen and I'll figure it out I guess it's gonna work we're gonna figure it out it'll it'll be fine I'm still working on figuring out where I'm gonna be um next year which which has its own own levels of stress but I have kind of a a backup plan that I'm happy with and I'm safe with I'm trying to figure some other things out trying to negotiate with a college in DC um, and figure out if I can make it work financially. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, the countdown is on. It is. It is. It is. I've got like a week and a half or something like that. Yeah, I honestly, I just committed. I'm going to Clark in Massachusetts, oh. a small little liberal arts school. That's amazing. I love it. We're excited about. Um, I have this gut feeling, you know, I'm someone that gets bored of things super easily. <laughs> and as much as I love Clark with my entire mind, body, and soul, I think it's perfect for me. I just have this feeling that I'm going to get bored of it and that, you know, that's okay because, you know, te- right. college just has this, I, this idea that it has to be temporary and that you have to go to the same college forever. And I feel like that's just not the case. So right, many right. kids transfer all the time. So I'm trying not to let it, you know, get me down, but I definitely yep. have a sweet spot in my heart for if I ever get to that point for GW. So maybe yeah. we'll meet up. Well, maybe we'll meet up in DC sometime. Yeah, maybe. That would be amazing. Um, both going to to our advisor school. That would be incredible. I know. It would be hilarious. It would be hilarious. Best advisees ever. I know. She would visit right. us and she would be ecstatic. Right. Ecstatic. Ecstatic. It'd be such a good time. Yep. Yep. Um, all right. I think we're gonna get into some of our well, some of these stories. Yeah. So I've got my six stories here. So let's start with a story that you've read. What's something you've read recently? What's something you really enjoyed reading? Tell me about it. 
Yeah, so I just started reading this um, fictional book, actually. My boyfriend and I decided we were going to do a little book swap, you know. Ooh, I love Um, that. We both, he hates reading. I like reading enough. Same with me and my girlfriend. Yep, yep. Yep. And we were like, you know, let's read a book and then switch. And I fell in love with my book. It's called, I think it's called They Both Die in the End. It seems very morbid. It does. Very dark. That's just not, the, if you know me, that's not the type of person that I am, but I am in love with the book. And I okay, love okay. that it's, it's encouraged me to live my life to the fullest every single day, regardless of whether or not I'm making big monstrous strides, you know, right. there that. are little things like little important moments that we take for granted and that we don't yeah. acknowledge as like or we don't acknowledge them to be as big as they really should be. And I have loved it so far. The storytelling is impeccable. It is just a fun, intriguing, fast read. And I would definitely recommend that for you, Riley. I think you would really love it. Okay. I'm a, I'm a sucker for a good romance. Yeah. Um, as I think people listening to the show are starting to understand. Um, nothing gets me better than like a really, really good romance in, in any story. Um, they, so they both die in the end is what it's called. Yeah. And it follows this track of these two boys that are kind of the same age and how they handle this news that they're going to die in very different ways. Okay. And yeah. It helps you kind of feel like you can identify with them in a way. Like maybe you're yeah. like one of them and maybe you're like the other, or maybe you're like somewhere in between and you feel cool. like you can kind of live through them, which is really fun. That sounds really, really interesting. Kind of teaching by showing to live in the moment and to appreciate every little thing we have. And and just, and just be, just live, really. I love yep. that. That's great. Okay, awesome, awesome. Um, what's a story that you've watched? Story that I have watched. And feel free to say, like, there really isn't, we can always skip around, whatever works. Yeah. I mean, this one, not as deep. It's just kind of been, like, I've been so consumed by screens, I feel like, recently, yep. that my guilty pleasure, when I take a few minutes... I literally can't watch a show for more than like 30 minutes at a time. Yep, I get that. Movies are completely out of it. (laughs) No movies. No movies. Um, New Girl on Netflix. A classic. If you haven't watched New Girl, I swear you are missing out on monumental, hilarious moments. Can I ask you a question? I've seen like bits and pieces of New Girl. Like I've seen an episode or two here and there. Is Is it the kind of thing that like, that's the best way to enjoy it or do it. Should I like sit down and actually like watch a season of it and see things play out? It's, I feel like it's one of those shows where you can watch an episode and think that it's funny because the humor in the moment is funny, but it's also, there is a plot that does develop throughout the season, the series. Mm -hmm. And for that purpose, I think it's really interesting to kind of see the the character dynamics kind of play out, but it is definitely one of those like, in the moment, short, quick little watch, get a good laugh sort of things yeah. as well. So enjoy either way, pick your way to play kind of thing. Okay, I yeah. like it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, fair enough. Okay, good to know, okay. Um, all right, what about a story you've listened to? Story that I've listened to, uh, well, I have a cousin who okay. lives in Minneapolis actually. Oh, wow, okay. So she's been very involved in current events, Mm -hmm. um, you know, racial injustice. She has been in the center of all of it. She is living in in those neighborhoods. She's watching it go down. She can hear what's going on. Um, And I've just been calling her really frequently to kind of check in and see what that's like. And, you know, we see it on the news and we see it on social media, but to be in that neighborhood and to, you know, feel the power and the anger and the sadness within that has been something really crazy that I have, you know, started to listen to. And it's honestly uncomparable to anything I've read about anything like that. Um, She just tells these stories of extreme strength and perseverance and you know the anger that they have which is so real and so powerful and you know I feel like you don't really understand those situations until you've been in her her position like yeah like the first yeah nothing is nothing is more valuable than that like firsthand experience and perspective 
Um, that's that's incredible. Yeah. So Avery and I, who, who's been on the podcast, are, are part of this men's group, um, and we talk about issues of like masculinity and, and also racial injustice and just activism, topics of activism in general. And one of the guys who's part of the group, or from all over the country, um, is in Minneapolis and was talking about how there was a seven o'clock curfew and all these things going on there. Um, and and it sounds like yeah, just being there is so different from reading about, hearing about it, all of that. Yeah, she just works this average teenage job at a Dairy Queen, and, you know, all of a sudden people are, like, you know, jumping on top of police cars and, like, running through the streets, and she's, like, it's scary, and, you know, it feels scary. Those things feel scary. But it's also like you can feel how moved the people are by what is happening. You can feel that they're upset and you can feel that, you know, they're demanding change. Like they are so fed up. And she's like, like, you know, on the one hand, like, yeah, I'm kind of scared to leave my work because, you know, you never really know what's going to happen. But also like this feeling of just wanting to like stand in solidarity with them and to be like, yes, I feel you, I see you, I'm trying to understand you. And she said that has been extremely powerful. Like trying to find that balance between like, you know, like yes, I feel a little scared and uncomfortable, but right. it's also my job to feel uncomfortable. Right, right. And like almost like like when when does civil unrest become like violence and like like there's an interesting balance there. I that what you're kind of describing of like being part of something bigger than yourselves, being in tune and connected to emotion that isn't quite yours, but rather collectively ours is something that is in I'm getting goosebumps like thinking about it and describing it. Like you, there's nothing, there's nothing that is the same. Um, and and I don't think I've truly personally experienced it at that level. Um, I've had I've had little little experiences with it in other circumstances, but that just sounds the, the city is upset. The country, for that matter, is upset. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I think we all have a hard time, you know, understanding that perspective of those people there. We live in such a white state. And yeah. Yeah. even for me, like, as a person of color, I have never really experienced things to that level. You know, I've never, I hadn't felt scared until the hate crimes on those Asian women. And that's when I, it really sat, it really, you know, settled in. And I was like, I feel like I can understand how you feel now. I'm like, yeah, I just don't even know how to explain it. It's this very internalized feeling of just being like, right. you know, genuinely scared for one's life. I think that is yeah. a feeling that so many people haven't really felt before. Okay. And I think yeah. it's definitely... I wouldn't wish that upon anyone to ever, you know, feel that. But it's like, after something like that happens to you or happens to people that, you know, you care about, or maybe even people that you don't know, there's just this sense of just like solidarity and like being like, wow, you know, we've been through some really hard things and now we need to like stick up for each other, which is really powerful. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, And the 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 way that that feeling can be eye opening almost is is valuable even though it is a terrible feeling, and like for 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 me personally coming from like being white white straight male like coming from this this power of privilege I just have such a kind of blind spot in in those personal individualized feelings and I think that's why I I I love hearing those stories I love I love talking to people who have very different experiences because like. It, I feel it is my responsibility to do my best to understand as much as possible what all of this looks like. And, and I understand I'll never understand. And I, I nearly truly can know that story. But I also, because of that, it drives me to seek out those stories that much more. Um, hell, that's part of what this whole podcast is about. Yeah. And I definitely think, you know, in those moments when you do feel scared is when you are the most vulnerable and you feel like, you know, like, is there, does humanity even exist? Like, is there, is there, is that even alive? And I feel like for me, I had a lot of moments when I got texts and calls and emails from maybe people I hadn't even talked to in years and, you know, just simply checking in because they knew that 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 might be upsetting or that, 
you know, I might be going through a hard time. And I think those times really do, you know, take you to your lowest point and make you question everything you know and everything you've ever been told. But I think the people in our lives also, you know, are really there when we need them. And that was a really gentle, reassuring reminder for me, for sure. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And that's really good to hear too, because I've been struggling with having faith in humanity as well, in, in, in some ways. Um, then I might, I, might, I might touch on that a little bit later, but I think that it, it can be really tough to not just kind of lose that optimism, lose that hope when our newsfeed is filled with all this violence and, and tragedy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, um, not to discount the importance of any of that, but I guess we can keep going. Yeah, um, yeah, totally. Let's see. So that was listened to. Are there any stories that you played? Um, usually this is like video games or something of that sort, um, but play is the verb. So if you can come up with something different, like feel free. Um, yesterday, um, I was with my boyfriend and we played this game called Geomaps. Oh. 110% recommend that everyone play it. It yes. sounds like the stupidest thing. But it is so fun. It's essentially just like you, you can play by yourself. Um, we played against each other, which was really fun. Um, and it's, they drop you in a street somewhere in the world and you look around, you zoom in on things, you make observations and yeah. you place a little dot on a map where you think that you are. And then in the end, it, it gives you points based on how close you were to the actual location. And I would just like to subtly flex. Okay, go, do it. Out of like seven rounds that we played, I was within like 50 miles of the original location every single time. Every time, no way, what? That's incredible, that's awesome. I would get to the map and I'd be like, wow, that looks like Singapore. And Caleb would be like, what? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that's definitely right there. Like a you little- just- Suburbia, you have, Singapore. You just have like a traveled spirit. You you <laughs> bend places. Like it doesn't even mean like you like you just bend places. You know where <laughs> things are. You see some place and you're like, oh, yeah, I remember this. This is I know where this is. But especially for you, Riley, I feel like I was thinking about you when I was playing it because I was yeah. like, anyone was going to absolutely crush me in this game. It would be <laughs> Riley. But it's also just like you know, it's good to be exposed to different places, even if you can't be there. And it's Mm -hmm. good to like make observations, but also see like your implicit bias and like Mm. these things that you think about places like, wow, I see this and I immediately think it's this, but in the end, it's actually not. And I think, you know, acknowledging those is really important. And it's such a fun way to do it, to just like compete against other people at the same time. Agreed. Uh, yeah, I love that game. I played that game with some of my friends. I have some friends who have been able to get like within like feet of, of locations, which is insane. And it takes way too much time and it really is not worth it. But like I've, I've seen it happen. And I, I've always found how, how surprising, like how familiar places all around the world seem um, in that game. Because like I've, I've been dropped somewhere and almost been like, wait, am I, am I right here in good old DT? and then like it's not it's so it's like russia or like somewhere in africa or or even but like it just feels so familiar and i I, like the implicit bias thing you were saying totally resonated it's like yeah i think that game really opens up your mind a little bit to like you know like we all live on the same planet and and at a a certain level like it all kind of looks the same we're all coming from a similar place yeah but definitely set a timer because you could stare at that screen (laughs) all night long and it's just it's counterproductive what I would always do is I would like, like trap, like keep clicking the arrow and travel so far that like at, at a certain point, like I, I had no idea where I started. <laughs> so even if I could figure out the exact location, like it wasn't actually, yeah, it was a whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's addicting. I've definitely been playing by myself. I will. Admit. <laughs> yep. 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 Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. All right. Um, so uh, here's the next two. Um, one is a story that you've kind of created, a story you've told, a story you've created, a story that's uniquely yours, um, whether this be writing something down or, or just creating. Yeah. Um, I haven't been super into 
like creating like fictional stories per se, but mm-hmm. one of my um, COVID coping mechanisms mm. has definitely been poetry. And I ended last year taking, or no, beginning of this year, actually, when I started to really, you know, feel the effects of COVID, um, I started to just write and I was in creative writing. So I was learning all of these different poetry like forms and, you know, how it can be such an amazing way to process so much information in like short little phrases you know like it doesn't have to be this long like journal entry or you know some sort of diary attempt for me I would just like write down these verses and I would like put them together and I'd be like okay it's a poem like poetry can be whatever you wanted and you know it's amazing Yes, I love that. I would, I would, I would do a similar thing. I don't know what I would write would necessarily be poems, but like I would take a feeling, a feeling that I didn't have words for, and just really take time and be intentional and try to articulate that feeling in like a paragraph. Um, and and I think it's it's incredibly helpful. It gives you a sense of accomplishment because you can like look, I made a thing. Um, and then also it's just a, a good way to like get those emotions out. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and I think it'll be super reflective, you know, sometime in the future, like yes. to look back and to read all of these things and to remember these difficult times in our lives. I think, yeah. you know, writing is really important. And I think people, a lot of people have strayed away from like using writing as a form to remember things. And I think that that is important that we continue to do that and, you know, advocate for writing. Yeah, yes, definitely. agree. Just all of the creative processes, like getting it out there and, and expressing yourselves in that way. Cause I think that's just so incredibly important. All right. Yeah. And last but not least, what is a story you've lived? Oh, I've lived so many wonderful stories recently. Wonderful stories. Um, I think my, one of my favorite stories recently okay. um, would be that I've, completely soaked up every ounce of the warm weather and last week I just spent all day downtown on the park near the waterfront and I just read my favorite books and I laid in the sun and I pet every dog I could see in sight because dogs are honestly one of the most successful healing mechanisms that are out there um And, you know, even though people were socially distant and like wearing masks and stuff, the spirits just felt so much higher than I had experienced in such a long time. And to see like people lined up at Burlington Bay to just get a creamy, it was just like the most heartwarming experience I have ever had in my entire life. It was, it was definitely something that I will never forget. And I definitely have thousands of pictures in my phone to document those very moments um that's been one of my favorite stories so far yeah yeah that's great that's great that's a good time um that's awesome all right um okay cool so i i think i'm gonna go i'll go through and share some of the one for each of those categories too we can talk about a little bit um and i i i want to talk about wash a little bit because there's something you said that totally like connects to that but read um I'm reading this book, or I started reading this book called Fury Born. Um, and it's this like high fantasy book, like magic and all of this. But it basically like, right from the first chapter, not even the first chapter, like the prologue, for whatever reason, the author decides that like, she just like assumes that you're going to figure it out as they go along. And so she decides just to not explain anything. And, and normally that would put me off because I'd be like, okay, you need to explain like a little bit of what's going on here. Give me some context or else I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be able to figure out what's going on here. But somehow it just absolutely hooked me. Absolutely hooked me. And like, I, like, and I want to do nothing but read that book. The problem with that is I have a whole list of other books that I need to be reading. And I've now put my brother on uh, kind of like uh, really getting me to do that kind of cutting. I, I realize I'm gesturing and this is a podcast. So no one's <laughs> going to ever see. I, I, I think I've mentioned it's like Leah keeps saying things and I can't keep doing the sign and it's like me too, me too. And it's not coming across. <laughs> Just awkward silence on Riley's part. Yeah, as I'm like signing to Leah on our podcast. 
yeah. You can't hear it. You know, he's just using some sort of hand gesture. Just keep yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> All I that sounds crazy. That book sounds amazing. Honestly, I think we're both people that you know like a little bit of control, and mm-hmm. I think in that situation, like you don't have any control as the yeah. reader. You're just following what's there and you're going with it and I think that sounds like something that I probably need in my life a little bit (laughs) definitely yeah no it was really interesting and for me too I like especially because I've read enough fantasy books I like I'm always thinking like okay where is this going to go where is this author going to take it and every single line my prediction for where things were just going to go got kind of ripped and I was like I was like I was like I can't figure out who the good guy and the bad guy are right now like 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 I have no idea what's going on it was just enthralling uh, which is really, really kind of cool. Um, okay, let's see. I watched, I, I'm i not really sure yet. So the I, I haven't, I've, I've, I've stumbled onto an obsession with anime. I don't know if I've talked to you about this at all, but no. I, an absolute obsession. Um, just the beginning of this year, I like, I don't know why, but I was like, you know, I remember anime. That was a thing. I'm going to re, I'm going to re, re-look into that. And it j- just like, I've watched way too many shows, way too many shows. Um, but one of the reasons I've done it is I found a real, really cool community with it um, is like, there's this idea of like seasonal anime. So for whatever reason, the Japan media com- companies split up it as like uh, January, February, March is winter. Uh, and then April, May, June is spring. Um, uh, July, August, September is summer. And then October, November, December is, uh, is fall, um, which, I don't know. That, that seems kind of weird to me, but so the spring season of anime has just started. So there's all these, these shows airing. And so I've watched kind of like just the first episodes of a bunch of brand new shows, um, mostly because there's a bunch of forums online where people just discuss it and talk about it. Um, and it's been really a really cool way for me to kind of connect and interact uh, um, on that level about, about these different TV shows and about these different stories. Um, and so I'm kind of picking and choosing what ones I want to follow this season. And so I'm in kind of the preliminary st- stages of, of um, finding a new show to watch yeah and I think you know I've never personally been into the anime thing I haven't actually really explored it at all but oh gosh I have quite, a list of suggestions <laughs> oh totally get me on that but I think that you know having that community and I think especially like sometimes it's just fun to talk about things that you enjoy right. with people that you don't even know the right. people you've never met it's just it feels like you know you're just really bonding over this thing that you have in yeah. common and that can be super engaging and interesting yeah Yeah. exactly and the thing I'm doing too is like I have I used to be part of this like political simulation where we like did did a whole like kind of like did a a mock sim of the U.S. government um it kind of fell apart but I've got a bunch of friends from that who were still on this discord server together and we 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 recently voted and chose a show and um are now watching it together week by week so that's been a lot of fun too to kind of get to to have that experience but yeah I agree it's it's like for me the enjoyment is not is, is sometimes not in the show but in the conversations I get to have after the the show stops um and the 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 connections I can make through that yeah totally yeah um let's see what's next listen to um I recently uh I'm trying to think I listened to a um well I've been listening to Ruben's podcast. You know Ruben, right? Yes. So Ruben has this podcast. I've already, I, I, I like, I like plug this podcast every single episode <laughs> of my podcast because it's just such a good time. And the last episode was a cliffhanger. Um, and his podcast is basically like they play this role-playing game, uh, but they kind of structure it as a little bit more of like a little more episodic um, and a little bit more of like a production. And so, I, so I'm really, really invested. And, and to describe it, it's basically Stranger Things um but like uh, a little different I don't I don't I don't know it's it's like it's it's like the 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 role-playing game they're playing is called kids on bikes I think um and so it's it's very stranger things-esque but um of course it's it's this group of people that I know really well who are all the friends of mine and so I just get unbelievably invested and then Ruben always teases me he was like hey Riley I'm dropping the next episode in the next hour or so, just so you know. And so as soon as the episode drops, I'm listening to it. And the other thing he does is the, the episode dropped, it dropped last week, I guess. Yes, but the whole week leading up to that, Ruben was teasing me, be like, I'm editing the episode right now and it ends in a cliffhanger. You're going to be so mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> and just teasing oh, me through the week. Yeah, yeah, nothing like a little 
friendship tension, you know, to really yeah, geez, right? increase, increase the viewing. I mean, yeah. on the advertising slash marketing yep. forum yep. for Ruben. Yep. <laughs> It is, it is strategic, but it, it's, it's evil. I get, I get all sorts of invested in that. Yeah. I mean, well, he's guaranteeing one view, one listener every single he's week. He's got me for the, for as long as this goes, I am in for the long haul on this one. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Um, and the last two, a story I've created, we already talked about this a little bit, um, but um, yeah, just definitely like kind of writing things is always very therapeutic for me as well. Um, and one of the things I've been getting back into drawing some, one of the things I always forget is I, like, I really wanted to be good at drawing. Um, I really wanted to be an, an artist. I wanted to take all these art, <laughs> art classes. Um, and I know you're, you're quite the artist yourself, um, but. Aspiring. I, I, what? Aspiring. Aspiring, aspiring. <laughs> um, but I, I, so I always thought I was awful and I always like watched all these videos and did all these tutorials and really like tried to improve my art style. Um, and I was in it so long that I didn't really feel like I was making any progress. And so I haven't drawn since like before quarantine, even like, even like way before that. Um, and all of a sudden I just sat down the other day and like drew and I was like, whoa, I can kind of like, I can kind of do this. Like this, this doesn't look as terrible as I thought it was. And I think somehow somewhere along, I developed some level of efficiency with that and like just didn't even notice. And so I was like really like pleasantly surprised, like, like sitting there looking at it was like, all right, maybe I should do more of this because I always got so discouraged. Yeah, I just realized that I've just been like nodding to you. Like I understand and they can't, <laughs> also can't see me nodding. So I wasn't just awkwardly sitting there in silence. I swear, yep. I was thoroughly engaged, but <laughs> I totally see where you're coming from. And I think, you know, as someone who's been doing art for a really long time, like there are so many times when you feel discouraged when you're like, wow, that is absolutely not what I wanted. But you know, there are little things in every yes. drawing, painting, or whatever that you're, you're proud of. And when you do those, you know, you just get this overwhelming sense of confidence. You're like, wow, like oh. I am out here and I am essentially painting the Mona Lisa. And, you know, <laughs> as quickly as it went really well, it turns really bad, but, you know, at yeah. least you have that one little spot that you just feel super, super good about. And I think that's, that's part of it is, you know, yeah. not everything's going to be good, but you know, you're practicing, you're trying your best. And I think that's great. You know, it's always fun yeah. to start something that you haven't done in a while. Yeah, definitely. I love to, to revisit that. I think quarantine is really great for that, but I totally agree. Like it's either zero or a hundred. It's either, this is the worst thing I've ever <laughs> put on paper, or this is like the next one. Like exactly. I, I relate to that so much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we also just hype ourselves up way too much. I yeah. Yeah. We're also just like the pinnacle of like, <laughs> <laughs> like putting our own crowns on, you know? Yeah. Hello. Hope you're enjoying the episode. We're taking a break real quick so I can remind you to go and follow the Instagram for the podcast at Socially Starved Extrovert, where I post all sorts of different things, including story highlights and story spotlights, where I talk about one of the stories that I'm reading, watching, etc. why I like it so much and why I recommend it for you. So that's, again, Socially Starved Extrovert. Go follow us on Instagram. Now, on with the episode. Um, and then story I've lived. So this is a story I've lived. It's also a story I've watched. But I was talking a little bit about a, a lack of faith in humanity. There's been a lot of things going on in the news, what have you, variants, second waves of COVID, all sorts of not fun things. Um, and so I was, I was really in this place of like, like my current situation where we're at is is not where I want to be but I, I kind of had like a lot of hope for like but things are going to get better mm -hmm. and then we're I'm in I'm in the middle of this U.S. history class this like U.S. in the world class and we had just finished up our World War One unit and which which I kind of which is a hundred years ago right like it was kind of World War One and so like you know that's kind of like where we're at in the cycle of history if you will and then we went into the interwar period and the Great Depression um, and yeah. then World War II. And we watched this World War II video and it was about, it was really like focused on this idea of total war and this idea of like warfare on civilians um, and like the Holocaust and just all like, and like then the Japanese brutalization of the Chinese with like the rape of Nanjing and all these different things. Um, and like, it like weighed on me for like the next couple of days. And I really, really took it in and was like, 
first off was like if it like like was the whole like history repeats itself like what if we're going towards something even worse what if we'll have some sort of respite like after this is all done and then it's just gonna get even worse um but then furthermore just like having such this like disgust in like my lack of understanding of like the holocaust for example like six million people six million jews like that's such a large number we can't comprehend it yeah and 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 it just like it just really really weighed on um and and i think that one of the and it and it further kind of took me to this place of like i like i wanted like us to stop like collectively like everyone us to stop and just appreciate not only that but just all of the terrible stuff like like the amount of people that have died from covid just here in the us you know yeah yeah like sometimes it feels like there's no time to just stop and like just take a moment to appreciate the loss and, and like grieve for a little bit yeah yeah i think you know grieving is something that takes so many different forms and i think that you know especially in our generation that there's like this fear this fear of being vulnerable and this fear of like you know grieving and acknowledging that it's okay to feel sad when you have lost something and that loss doesn't have to be a person that loss could be anything from a moment to an object to whatever that may be but you know it's a good thing that we feel connected enough to things to feel sad when they're gone. And I think that's something that we have really lost and something that I feel like I was kind of like strayed away from when I was growing up. And yeah. yeah. No, definitely. And I think my own like personal experience with like loss and with grief recently um, and loss and grief, seem like a little bit of an absurd word to apply this but like I got 10 rejection letters over the course of like the past couple of weeks yeah um and like even though I I I'm, I'm I have faith that I'm going to end up where I need to be and that I'm going to do what I need to do and I'm going to make the most out of wherever I am you know that's still that's still not good for the ego that still doesn't feel good that's still all of these like all of the time I spent like picturing myself at all these schools is now gone has now been has now been cut off um and like I really wasn't giving myself the opportunity um to feel that and grieve for that in some ways yeah Um, I think life is really fast-paced you know especially these days and I don't think any of us are giving ourselves enough time to just feel what we need to feel in the moment you know I think it's it's not good but I can understand why we all feel like we need to be somewhere like that there's somewhere to go and that you know where we are right now like is just temporary but it is important like 10 rejection letters is not something that you know you should just feel like you have to breeze over I mean right that is a loss like you have aspired you've created these dreams and these like things that you wanted to be a reality and that is just as much of a loss as any other type of loss yeah yeah definitely and i i think that because i really like the the kind of the history the hearing about the holocaust the hearing about the tragedies in china and other places during world war ii like put me in such a place that all i could do was have that grief um not only for these things that i'm so unbelievably disconnected from um in feeling but but still was having that empathy for but also some really personal internalized things that i hadn't been like letting myself feel um, and something you said, kind of, um, I feel like we're so destination focused. Yes. I feel like it's always about getting somewhere constantly. And we, and we don't, our culture doesn't take the time to appreciate and be in the moment and just like, you know, slow it down a little bit. And I think that's why I've come to love these conversations so much, because I'm sitting down and my only goal for the next however long is to talk to you and hear what's going on in your head and just connect with you on that level. Um, And I think that especially right now, doing that is difficult and we have to be really intentional about it. Yeah, I found myself this morning, you know, rushing from my car 
to the classroom where I had environmental lit because I was cramming in my human geo project and it was just one thing after another after another and where am I going to go next and how many steps is it going to take and how many minutes am I going to take before I get here and here and we you know had a chill day in class and we watched this documentary on coral reefs on Netflix which I would highly recommend but I found myself you know having had this crazy busy morning where I was just nonstop, didn't even give myself the time to think about how I may be feeling, you know, like everything that's going on. And I just sat there in a puddle of tears as I watched the coral reefs bleach. And I was like, this, this is something that I haven't let myself feel like maybe I'm not so sad about the coral reefs bleaching, but about everything that's happening watching a 13 year old get killed at the hands of police like there are so many things that I felt like I hadn't let myself comprehend to feel to grieve you know to understand that loss and then in the in the singular moment that I had to be vulnerable to you know think about all of those I was crying over the coral reefs in the middle of my environmental light class and so you know it comes at the weirdest moments, at the most unintended, random moments. But when you feel that, when you let yourself feel, it's like uncompared. Like I cannot even begin to explain just like the immediate like release of stress and anger and sadness that was just let out in the singular moment. And no one even knew because I was sitting in a dark classroom. Yeah, but you know, it, it like forced you to slow down and just like really take that in. Um, and crying specifically, I've been really intentionally been trying to cry more as that cathartic release. I cried for the first time probably in, you know, like two years, maybe more. Um, like no way. Months ago. Yeah. So I, this is a funny story. I, I, I can't remember if I've talked about this on this podcast before. So sorry if I'm repeating the story. Um, but I found the graduate, like, um, we went to the same middle school. So they did, they did the, um, the spirit of Al Myers award like that. Um, and I found the speech that my teacher wrote for that. Um, and I read that and for whatever reason that totally did it. That totally did it. Yes, I have mine. I got that for Harvard. Yeah. Yeah. I was about to say. Yeah. I have mine hanging on the bulletin board in front of my bed because I, there's just something about that that feels like the most like amazing achievement I've ever made in my entire life. Yeah, no, it was definitely, it definitely felt really, really beautiful for me. And, and reading that too, just in, because like at that point, I was definitely kind of in the midst of like feeling like uncertain and, and, and feeling like I wasn't getting any, any positive feedback like in colleges from, from all these different places. And so just getting to like hear that kind of affirmation of like, yeah yeah that was just really really important in that moment and and I cried and it was great it was fantastic I wish I had cried more I I, like when I say I cried it was like maybe two tears like it was really minimal but like it was it still was awesome and I've tried been trying to be more intentional about it I there's a show on Netflix it's called Anahana and I have like one episode left and I know it'll make me ball I will I will be I'll be a mess probably for a week plus and I don't have anyone to watch it with. <laughs> I need someone to just sit down and watch it with me. And like, <laughs> I just, I just, I, I'm just like putting it off. Cause I also need to be in the right headspace, I think. Um, Cause it'll just, it'll just put me over the edge. I know. Yeah. I just think, you know, at least with me and my friends, like crying has been just a large part of like our friendship is to just be like, <laughs> are you crying? Cause I'm crying. And you know, like, let's just get this out together. And yes. I feel like throughout the past few months, my, my goal has just been to like reach out to my friends and be like, Oh my gosh, like you should just cry. Okay. Like yep. I can sense that you're upset and that you're feeling things and you will feel better. Like maybe your eyes will be a little bit puffy and your nose is stuffy, but like you will feel better. And I think that there is kind of like this stigma especially for like boys, like people that, you know, are trying to like fit this masculine figure, like that it's not okay to cry. And it is, and it nine out of 10 times makes you feel so much better. So if you're listening to this right now and you're feeling sad 
or angry, or maybe you're just really happy. Sometimes people cry when they're really happy, you know, crying is good for your eyes. So yeah, exactly. There's, 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 there's so many benefits to it. And yeah, so I'm trying to be more intentional about it and, and cry more. Um, and yeah, I think, yeah, totally. The toxic masculinity component of it is so damaging um, of like, like, I really like, I can be really feeling something and be really upset and not bring myself to cry. Um, Cause it, I found that it has to be something that like surprises me usually to get me there. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, yeah. Um, and I guess I think maybe one of the things that we, we, we could touch on and talk about a little bit here is something you mentioned a little bit is the tragedies in both Chicago and Minneapolis this past week or so. Um, where are you at? How, how are you feeling about all this? What are your immediate thoughts? I think it's extremely overwhelming. I mean, like, how does one begin to confront? How does one begin to understand such acts of blatant racism? Like, you know, we saw it, we've seen it so many times in the past, and we put police officers on trial, we hold marches we show that we are upset and that we are done and how do you I guess my question for you because I am actively trying to figure this out like how do you just not feel absolutely hopeless like how do you find any sort of hope when you know I feel like we have gone to the greatest measures to show that we are standing with these people and that we are not going to put up with blatant racism we're not going to put up with 13 year olds being killed at the hands of police and you know we're not we're not going to put up with it and I feel like my journey throughout all of this since the summer was which is when I really started to you know pay attention to what was happening was like like where do you find that hope yeah yeah no I completely agree and something that I saw, and I, I don't post a lot on Instagram, and I don't go on Instagram very often, and so I, I don't, I, I don't know if like this is this is the caliber quality of most Instagram posts that people repost. But I, I found this one. I looked at it, and it, it, and it read out. I could probably find it and read it, but um, it essentially was uh, this guy saying, "Here is how I like. I'm going to go about my day like this." And yes. I'm going to make sure, have you seen this? And I'm going to make sure not to do this and not to do this. And every time he said, and not do blank thing that should not be punished by death in any circumstance, it, yeah. it had the, in parentheses, the name um, mm -hmm. and had like the 15 some names. Um, and that really, really struck me of, of A, how absurd, like seeing that, like putting context together like that was. Um, but yeah, and, and B, like the, the hopelessness that that kind of um, puts on, on people. And I think that for me, I'm, I'm involved in activism groups at the, at the school. That's how I kind of contribute. That's how I allow myself to sleep at night. Um, but I think that the way that I maintain hope and the way I maintain motivation, um, because I will say, and I don't know if you found this as well, but the one thing that my senioritis has had no effect on whatsoever is my commitment and determination to be doing something as far as activism goes and having these conversations. Yeah, I totally feel the same way. I think with this, I've kind of found myself spending more time, you know, educating myself on things that, you know, I feel like are more important right now in my life. You know, I've already gotten into college, like, the likelihood that they're going to rescind my offer is pretty low. So I just, I've gone to the point where I'm like, you know, these are the things that I want to educate myself on right now. These are the things that I think are going to help me most in my future. Yes. And I think now more than ever, it's so important to stay hopeful, to stay motivated. I would say more is to stay motivated and, you know, stay committed to the cause I think it's just like as someone who's not even you know 
like I am not a black person. I am not someone who's going through this firsthand. I just can't imagine how difficult that is, you know, to time and time again be shown that when push comes to shove, nothing really has changed. And that, you know, that is a strong motivator for me is like, I want to be strong and I want to support them in their, you know, search for strength and equality and everything in between. But even for me, it feels really hard sometimes to, you know, to feel like there's an end game, to feel like, you know, sometime it's going to be better. Yeah. It's almost the one thing that we need a destination for and we need a goal for and we don't have. Um, yeah. And I, I completely agree. Finding hope um, in the tragedy, in the chaos, in everything that's going on can be unbelievably difficult. Um, and I think that it's, it's also a really personal thing. I, I don't know if there's an end all be all way to like keep having hope. For me, one of the things is like, it's a necessity. Um, and I, I don't, for me, that brings me some, some kind of comfort is that this is all we have to do. This is all we can do. Um, and it is therefore what we need to be doing and what we need to continue to do. Um, and I think that that's, that's for me too, kind of like what life's, life is about. Um, we can talk about meaning. We can talk about why we're all here. We can talk about any of that. Um, but we, you can never prove any of it. It's all up in the air. It's all theories. It's all things people feel. So for me, what it is, is I'm here. I'm present. The reasons for it doesn't matter. I'm going to use that, take advantage of that and do everything I can to make this the best place that it can be and to make connections with others and, and bring them joy and bring them along with me on that journey um, and, and help them find that meaning for themselves. And so for me, where I derive my hope when it when it feels like it's hopeless when it feels like there's nothing going on is is this is what it's about this is what brings us meaning this is why this is why i'm here to do what i'm doing is to fight the fight no matter how long it goes on no matter how hopeless it seems no matter how bad it gets we are going to keep going because this needs to happen this isn't a, this isn't a, hopefully in some utopia we'll get there. This is a, this is how it should be and should have been for hundreds of years. Mm -hmm. um, and especially when we feel like we haven't even made a single step. Um, those are the moments that we need to keep going just as hard as ever, if not more. Um, and that's, that's my somewhat nihilistic way of, of bringing myself hope and comfort um, is that well, if this isn't what we're doing, what are we doing? Right. Yeah. I mean, I hadn't, you know, I think it sometimes takes hearing the perspective of someone else and, you know, hearing what motivates you. Um, and not that that should necessarily motivate me, but, you know, at least ignite that conversation, those yes. feelings in myself for sure. And I totally 100% agree. It's like, you know, there's no way to put it other than like we just have to do it right yeah it's, it's not a choice for you know it's not a choice for them it's not a choice it shouldn't really be a choice for anyone whether yeah. or not they we want to show solidarity to this to this these events the, what's happening it's it's so overwhelming and I think that it's so important to give ourselves the time to you know grieve and to feel everything that we deserve to feel but to then be like you know the fight isn't over and we no longer have a choice and it really never should have been a choice like this is yeah. the only option right definitely and I think one of the things too is for for my my perspective um as someone who's been especially with kind of women's advocacy um and prevention of sexual assault and trying to dismantle rape culture um, as being kind of my area of expertise, if you will, something I've been doing for four years now. Um, it's really, really rewarding to see that the alarm bells are going off and that everyone is in the same place of this is a problem, we need to do something about it. Because I can remember my sophomore year, especially um, rally, which it, for those of you, for anyone listening who doesn't know is basically uh, school endorsed sexual assault is the best way I can describe it. It's a total grind fest and it's terrible. Um, 
first off, it has officially been canceled going forward. We are no longer having it and we're going to replace it with something else. Yeah. So that's awesome. That's um, but, but one of the things my group used to do like, or was trying to do every year was have a presentation to the whole school saying like, hey, just a quick reminder, rally can be fun, I guess, but like make sure you're asking for permission before dancing with anyone and, and all these different things. Um, and sophomore year, we went to try and do those presentations and administration and faculty were like, you know, you guys did a really good job of that last year. And like last year, rally really wasn't as bad as it normally is. Um, I think you kind of like, you know, fixed the problem. Good job. Uh, we don't need that presentation again. What? Yeah. <laughs> like, um, the fight is not over, friends. Right, right. Um, and that's something. And again, this is at the, mac the macro, the micro scale of our high school that administration for years has had this whole like, we're this perfect little school, there's nothing wrong. And if something does come up, we'll make a statement about it. We'll do this much effort and then the problem's fixed and we never have to worry about it again. Um, and they did it with different racial slurs that were graffiti places. They did it with, they've done it with sexual harassment. They've done it with all sorts of things. Um, mm -hmm. And this year we're finally getting to see that kind of turning. Um, and I really, for honestly the first time felt like administration is on our side. Um, and so that's another place that my, my position as someone in the, in the world of activism for a little bit of time now um, has, has given me is that it does feel different. It does feel like we've made some progress. Um, but again, that's, that's this micro scale compared to the, to, the, to the country, to the world, you know? Yeah. And I think, you know, it's the small things that, you know, like for you leading this club for all these years and really investing your time and your effort into seeing change. And, you know, on a large scale, this systemic racism is something that, you know, is not going to be easy to turn around. It's not going to be something that's just going to, you know, remove itself overnight and need smaller reminders that, change is not impossible and I think we all know deep down within ourselves that it's not impossible but when we lose hope those little moments for you like leading your club and seeing that change and being like yes I invested so much of my time and while it might not have gone or followed the path that I would have wanted it to you know in the end I'm seeing progress and while that might not be like completely applicable to the larger events that are happening right now it is a gentle reminder that our effort isn't for nothing and that we're not doing all of this for nothing and obviously it's for a greater cause and will never be for nothing but when you lose hope that's really important yeah yeah definitely and I think too one of the things about activism um and about different different like work that people do is that it's an incredibly emotional thing and oftentimes there's this incredible catharsis to just being able to talk about it. Um, and at the same time, it's something that's so important that we like have this urgency about it and this need to get things done and, and be productive with it. And I think that sometimes the emotion is what is then driving that productiveness, that, that efficiency, that urgency. But I also think that sometimes what the emotion needs is just to sit back and acknowledge that these terrible things are happening and they're really upsetting and just have conversations about that. Um, and that's incredibly important and that's a huge part of activism. Um, but that also is, is just talking about it and it's not necessarily like making those steps. Um, and so it's interesting for me personally, especially, um, is that for me, what is cathartic, um, oftentimes is making those tangible steps. Um, and with, with specific things too, I, I have. I have catharsis about just having conversations and just getting to talk about it like this. Um, but I also get a lot of hope and joy just from being like, okay, today, this is what we did to get that much closer to our, our goal, whatever that looks like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, you know, we're always evolving and changing and the way we look at things, our outlook on life is always you know different from the last the past and yeah I would totally agree that just having conversations and allowing your perspective to change and allowing your understanding to evolve is just you know 
so much more a part of the process than you know it kind of comes out to be sometimes and just saying the words and acknowledging what is happening you know brings attention to it and wow you're not making some sort of drastic you know change you're not solving the problem but you're also not you know contributing to like the bystander effect and you're putting yourself in the position where you know you are contributing contributing even if it's in a small way yeah definitely and and those small things count they they add up um and that's how we're going to get there is everyone putting in their little their little part of the pie and and just oh my metaphor totally fell apart there i, I don't know what i was trying to say but um, <laughs> but everyone needs to pitch in and we all need to be a part of it so even those super small things are extremely important um i will say we're coming we're coming pretty close or even over our episode runtime here so i think we're gonna wrap it up this is yeah. an amazing conversation any last words leah for the for the podcast well i would just like to say thank you all for letting me be on this podcast it has been such an honor and i think it is you know, very meaningful to me for, you know, some of Riley and I's last few moments together when we've been together for the past few years to be this wonderful conversation. And I hope that I am able to cherish this for the rest of my life. I will show my kids yeah. this podcast, Riley. There you go. It'll be chronicled forever. <laughs> <laughs> of course. An excellent example of some of our amazing conversations. Yes, for sure. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. And I also cherish this conversation. And, um, look forward to getting to have this in the archive, so to speak. Um, and thank you to our listeners so much for, for checking this out. Don't forget to check out the Instagram at Socially Starved Extrovert. Um, and we will see you next week. Thank you so much, everyone.